companies. So what David Bowie said in the 1990s was true at the time before uh, companies came in and started to consolidate, uh, again, users, experiences, market power, uh, and, and ultimately uh, you know, diminish some of the base uh, creativity that existed amongst groups. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news is we've got another wave coming in that sparks whole new creativity and whole new markets on top of that. Welcome to empathy.co. This is our podcast. Your podcast. Humanizing technology. We ask ourselves, where does technology end? And where do we, humans, begin? Welcome to a podcast, Michael. Uh, let me introduce you first to our dearest audience. Uh, how are you today? I'm doing great, Angel. Thank you very much. Thanks for the invitation. With pleasure. Are we ready to sing? <laughs> I am ready. <laughs> okay, that's great. That's awesome. So let me introduce Michael. Uh, we had the privilege and, and the luxury of uh, partnering with him and working with him. You know, he's an advisor and investor in various startups, currently serving as a general partner and CEO of services at Cold Avenue. Uh, Michael and I were introduced through our also dearest advisor, Jonathan Newman, uh, due to uh, Michael's unique and differentiating take on digital value. Uh, you know, Michael is a believer in trust, in ethics, in fair data play, as well as a passionate innovator who has demonstrated incredible skill to foresee the future of digital, intelligent applications and emotionally engaging experiences. So as a creative, curious mind in action, uh, a leader with a contagious positive energy with whom we have the pleasure to partner and explore possible futures to this, our fascinating industry. Now, do you love, love that interaction, Michael? I do, and I'm honored by the introduction. Thank you very much. I'm very humbled. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We had the joy of having you in Empathy's kickoff and listen to your wonderful talk about the significance of emotions in technology and the interplay, the perceptions, the way people feel. This is something that through many, many, many years, uh, as young as you are, uh, has been a fascination of yours, uh, one through which we have connected. Um, tell us a little bit more of, of this idea, this thinking that you have had for years about expressive emotions in digital. Well, thank you very much for asking. Um, I'll start with this notion that um, at the end of the day, we, we have a variety of, of innovations and technologies that just continue to uh, come into our lives. And uh, part of the, uh, the, the opportunity and part of the, the challenge is to try to think through how uh, those technologies and our innovations can be uh, used for human value. And uh, I, I really enjoy thinking about that, uh, including with clients. Uh, to think about it from a marketing perspective, uh, how that might be true. I, I like uh, frameworks and, and constructs. Uh, you know, we can start with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, or you can think about, um, you know, other uh, sort of marketing uh, uh, frameworks that talk about human value. Um, but ultimately, uh, I, I think the intention would be 
to find ways to apply some of these innovations and technologies uh, to people so that you are saving them time, saving them money, teaching them something new, creating new relationships between people, uh, helping them to uh, uh, meet and or uh, improve upon uh, the connections that they already have, uh, or even better yet at a more uh, uh, you know, substantive basis, helping them with their own life's aspirations and helping them think through and, and deliver on uh, how they want to develop themselves. Um, and I think part of the, the, again, challenge and opportunity is to, uh, is, is to have a critical eye towards uh, everything we're doing, both within technology and marketing, um, to ask ourselves, how are we really creating value for, for users in, in, in the work we do? Not only in terms of the, uh, the products that we help sell or the services that we help to market, but also uh, in terms of the, uh, the actual services or the actual um, uh, value of, of, of the communications and uh, value of the, uh, of, of the platforms that we develop. Um, themselves uh, within the digital marketing world. So uh, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but that's sort of my mindset uh, and how I think about uh, you know, the, the use of technologies to help really drive human value uh, in a way that, that uh, lifts them up and in, in a way that helps them achieve what they want to accomplish. It is, and it does answer the question. And how you pair these, you know, how does this thinking and this human value, this human focus uh, this aspiration, uh, how does this pair with the world, you know, and the very dynamic of business, right? The very notion of practicality and efficiency is the very interpretation of humans as users uh, whose uh, choices are predictable, the very interpretation of linearity in that which defines uh, human behavior or human intent. You know, it's as if we live in a world where data is simplifying uh, the complexities uh, of this every notion of humanity and, and human value. You know, uh, my question is therefore, how does business and leaderships across all different domains, uh, how do they uh, uh, grasp uh, this uh, particular way of interpreting the position of the brands and companies uh, uh, to that elevated notion of the individual? Well, the good news, Angel, is that the uh, the markets that we serve and the the companies that we work with um, are in a position where they won't grow unless they're providing value to customers. That is to say, if, if customers are truly served and if they are truly provided uh, you know, a, 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 a value that they will then thank um, you know, providers and brands uh, with their wallet, uh, then uh, if they're not doing that, then someone else will. And uh, that's part of the, the joy of being in an open market and a free society is the ability to innovate and to be an entrepreneur and to try to find new ways to, to create that value in order to capture a portion of it as a company. And there is a trade-off between uh, growth and, and, and profitability in the short term. And uh, unfortunately, in many short-term focused companies, or for that matter, financially focused companies, uh, there can be a push towards conservatism that... Uh, that uh, focuses on uh, financial maximization, earnings maximization, uh, et cetera, at the expense of customer value and growth. But I find that over the long term, uh, most good companies and most good leadership are focused on customers first, uh, human value first, uh, and, and pushing towards that. I, I think Amazon's a good example of that, uh, where they were able to live for a long time as an organization that was effectively profitless by always investing in 
their business for growth. Uh, and only after reaching a massive scale were they able to start to acquiesce to uh, Wall Street demands for for earnings, and uh, and and that worked out well for everyone. So I, I guess I would say it's a balance uh, between uh, you know number one and no matter what deliver on on uh, uh, you know, sort of human value resulting in company growth, uh, and then number two find efficiencies in that activity uh, in order to recognize uh, profitability. Uh, and I, I think there's also something to be said for uh, a fair margin versus an unfair margin uh, and being able to say that, uh, you know, we're investing in future products, future services, uh, our employees and their satisfaction uh, and instead of just sort of uh, maximizing overall earnings for the company and its leadership. And I think that there's a there's a balance there, too. So you mentioned Amazon as an example of these a realization of the need to invest in in convenience in in this uh, focus on on the customer but as i hear this uh, you know i struggle to see uh, amazon as a reference of this notion of elevating individuals uh, to you know subjective uh, as opposed to uh, objective things uh, uh, saying this uh, you know do you think that there is a way of providing that added value that Amazon uh, has managed to provide in the past um, uh, by competing uh, against giants like Amazon through a more trustworthy, yet more human approach? Yes, 100%. And, and, and the reason why I agree with you is because um, uh, for, for, for two reasons. I, I think that Amazon has been a very analytically focused organization. They've been very customer focused, otherwise they wouldn't have been successful. However, uh, they, what, what they have done is really sort of uh, through analytics, uh, through, through rapid uh, test and learn and, and sort of optimization approaches have, uh, have really delivered on a, a variety of uh, supply chain innovations, uh, e-commerce innovations, and, and now sort of content innovations and, and, and really retail media innovations uh, for, for, for a while. Uh, the thing that they don't always get right is this notion of, um, uh, uh, you know, emotion and this notion of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, you know, sort of a qualitative part of the brain, a creative part of the brain uh, that is uh, that, that, that stirs people into uh, experiences that they love. And uh, I think that's a that's a really interesting point on hell, because I, I know that there are others that uh, have have gone up against uh, Amazon with that approach. And I think in the early days of Zappos, that's an interesting example as well, where you had um, employees who were very happy uh, selling shoes and, and, and had a joy of service uh, in, in their culture uh, that beat Amazon at their own game to the point that uh, it was one of Amazon's largest acquisitions at the time. Um, so yes, I, I, think that, I think that is absolutely a, uh, an additive or a viable alternative. Thank you. Thank you. Very interesting. You made me think now we're talking about the creative part, the sensitive, the emotional side of things. I don't know if you watched this interview back, uh, of course, it's now being celebrated. Uh, you know, it's an interview uh, run by the BBC uh, from Jeremy Paxman, uh, celebrated also a, a BBC character. Uh, and he interviews uh, back in 1999, uh, David Bowie. Uh, in this interview, David Bowie makes very interesting premonitory predictions. 
of what the internet means as, as the effect that it has on society. And, and in that interview, uh, he makes this remark that uh, the world is uh, opening up into a, a smaller and a smaller uh, units of value, that uh, you know, uh, the relationship between anything that's big and small is changing. And uh, the new construct that uh, defines this new relationship is that the individual is elevated. Uh, and I know you're passionate about music, and he makes this analogy talking that in the 50s you had Elvis Presley, in the 60s you had the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, yeah. then you move to have musical types and styles, and then this open up into an incredible proliferation of very unique styles that feed and satisfy very unique tribes and communities as we have today. Uh, the idea of decentralization as a way of explaining the whole dynamic uh, of uh, uh, the internet and what the internet means to society. Where, where on the other hand, seems to be a contradiction. You know, when you look at the domains of entertainment, the domains of video games, the job market, education, even politics and beliefs, uh, you can see an incredible decentralization taking place, you know, proliferation of very small yet very strong brands. Uh, but when you look at the internet, there's these, these giants like Amazon, Facebook, and Google, they pretty much dominate in a centralized manner everything. Do you foresee in the future that the internet will open up uh, to a proliferation of Amazons, a proliferation of Facebooks, a proliferation of Googles? How do you see that taking place in the future 5, 10, 15 years ahead of us? I love this question. Uh, and I wish I could tell you that I'm hopeful for the base internet, whether it be search or social or streaming, opening up uh, into something that is increasingly fragmented. I, uh, let me go back even further in history say, and say with the advent of the printing press, there was going to be free speech for everyone. Uh, the typewriter was going to democratize the ability to communicate. The railroad was going to uh, democratize uh, the ability to, uh, to, to travel. Uh, the automobile was going to uh, really allow for uh, human expansion into all parts uh, of the world uh, before uh, roads were set. Uh, and, 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 and on and on. You could say that the advent of uh, public access television in the United States uh, was going to spark a new era in, uh, in, in creative content creation for uh, for individuals who wanted to be able to uh, uh, create their own program. Same thing with shortwave radio uh, and the ability to broadcast uh, in, in a variety of locations. Um, and, and finally, the newspaper and uh, the, the ability to uh, share out in, in, in the magazine industry a variety of groups. With each of these innovations, with each of these abilities uh, to, to create new expression, to create human mobility, um, came a series of companies that learned how to rapidly consolidate the industry into some form of oligopoly. And uh, I, whether it be Hearst or Rockefeller uh, or ABC, CBS and NBC in the United States, or today in the form of, uh, uh, you know, Amazon, Facebook, uh, Google, uh, you could throw Microsoft in there. Uh, there, there have been uh, organizations that have been able to find ways to consolidate uh, customers through customer value, but ultimately then um, constrain some of the, the creativity and some of the innovation that exists. So that's the bad news. The good news is that innovations keep coming. 
And as we look at this next wave that's coming in, whether it be artificial intelligence and machine learning or Internet of Things and the massive expansion of data through uh, proliferation of, of uh, semiconductors and sensors uh, or 5G and the uh, dramatic expansion of, of uh, transmissions leading to new experiences inside of uh, content. Uh, or uh, the, the advent of AR and VR, which I could argue still hasn't been well monetized yet. Uh, we, we have a variety of, of uh, waves that are coming at the same time that allow for uh, new innovators. So what David Bowie said in the 1990s was true at the time before uh, companies came in and started to consolidate, uh, again, users, experiences, market power, uh, and, and ultimately uh, you know, diminish some of the, the, the base uh, creativity that existed amongst groups. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news is we've got another wave coming in that sparks whole new creativity and whole new markets on top of that. Fascinating, uh, abstracting, very uh, incredible. Uh, thank you for uh, putting these thoughts uh, together, Michael. Uh, it is that pattern, right? You've been reflecting across all these different innovations from history and how you highlight the social impact of these or the forecasted uh, uh, social impact and how then you know innovation is constrained or crystallized uh, uh, in the interest uh, of our very predatory nature you know and, and and conquering and winning and claiming territories you know it's like it, it, it we started talking about uh, human value it is or it seems to be in the underpinnings of human nature uh, this desire to to control right as opposed to let the flow of these uh, 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 innovation waves, you know, you, you have a status quo protector of whatever is the status in there. Uh, you have the challengers, uh, and then the challengers become the status quo protector, right? Uh, as if we had to replace one theory for another, one way, one mechanics, set of thinking, uh, you know, uh, mindsets uh, for another mindset, as opposed to changing uh, uh, that mindset that is uh, dominant or is considered today uh, for an openness uh, to any mindset, right? It's very interesting. I, I find it very relieving and, and very uh, valuable, your reflection on, on these uh, patterns, uh, Michael, which comes to question, you know, uh, will this dynamic ever change? I, I would suggest that this dynamic uh, is to perpetuate, correct? Uh, you know, these new waves, uh, will challenge the status quo, and this is, will repeat uh, over and over. Will you say yes. that this is will be the case? Yes, I, I, I completely agree. And, and, and this is true not only amongst sort of technologies and digital marketing. This is true amongst human civilizations. This is true of uh, many different levels of existence. You could talk about cellular uh, consolidation and reinvention. You could talk about, uh, you know, galaxy or solar level uh, consolidation and reinvention. This is happening at multiple levels of existence. But if, if you want to just speak within uh, the human realm, you could say that uh, we have a history of uh, revolution, uh, new establishment of uh, new leadership with new ideas and new hopes uh, that uh, leading to some combination of uh, delivery on that, but also then uh, failure from it and consolidation of uh, capability. Uh, Unfortunately, that also leads to some level of, of uh, uh, corruption and, and stalled momentum, which then lends itself to revolution again. And that's not something that's new. In fact, it's pretty consistent over the course of our history. And uh, it's, it's 
uh, sort of fun to think about as as we think about uh, the world that we live in today from a from a technology and marketing perspective, just to uh, allow for that, but then also to search for what the next uh, opening looks like and and find opportunities to create it. But I will also argue that over the course of these cycles that we're describing, we have human progress. With each new revolution, or in our discussion today, innovations and waves of technologies, uh, we have a better world. We, we have a, uh, an ability to reduce the level of hunger, to increase uh, the uh, life expectancy of humans, the uh, conveniences, back to that Maslow's hierarchy of needs that we're able to create with each other, the connectivity that we have between each other, uh, the ability to communicate, to be able to uh, ascend, uh, the ability to have flexibility to take advantage of, uh, in, in this world, uh, you know, virtual uh, connections and, and uh, that opening up to new roles and new jobs and new ways for us to monetize our skills. All of this is happening um, through those cycles that we described. So I, I, I'm hopeful for it. We are. We shall. Uh, there are many reasons to be and to, to be hopeful and happy uh, uh, as we are creative in this enterprise of challenging things. And with this comes my last question. Uh, you know, we have a lot of audience on the podcast, uh, you know, in, in the pool of lots of young developers uh, that we have in our community in empathy uh, and lots of young people that are looking out to see what to do, where to provide value. You know, they are seeking they themselves uh, for meaningful uh, enterprises and to associate their energy to things that have an ethical a, a substance to them, you know. How or what will you recommend to somebody who is finishing their degree in computer science, in computer information systems or variations of these? The field, you know, when you come with this incredibly open mind, there's so many different areas that I can approach. What will be your recommendation for these fresh open minds as to what area or field focus their incredible and infinite imagination? I love uh, the next generation uh, because not only every next generation has hope, but I think this specific generation of individuals who were born, um, you know, shortly before and during this century, um, there is a special uh, stridence. There is a special uh, a sensitivity towards purpose. And I think it's something that's uh, unique and perhaps not something that we've seen, you know, perhaps in, in uh, 60 to 80 years as generations go. Um, and I, I'm very hopeful for that being something that, um, that that stays with the generation and manifests itself inside of meaningful societal change uh, in all aspects of society and how not not just uh, one or two. Um, the good news is that as a computer scientist or as an engineer, um, you know, that those skill sets are, are coming into all aspects of life. That is to say that most industries are becoming software. And our, our ability to uh, change industries, reinvent industries, and create uh, new services and experiences based upon uh, uh, you know, what we used to call software, what we call sort of uh, digital technologies today. Um, the, the, the world is wide open. What, what I would encourage them to think about is what industries are they most passionate about? That is, what goods and services are they most curious and personally uh, love, whether it be, you know, uh, uh, musical instruments or whether it be coal, I don't know, but how do they find a, a way to attach themselves to products and services that they especially love? And then which companies within those industries 
are the biggest agents of change? Which ones are really driving the new thinking, the new capabilities, the reinvention of those industries based upon uh, you know, digital technologies and software? And, and, and start thinking about how to uh, align with those and bring their sense of purpose into those companies. Uh, because the, the good news is, and I've lived this myself, while uh, coming into the workforce, you're full of hope and, uh, and, 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 and full of change uh, and, and full of purpose. Um, hold on to that because eventually, as time uh, transpires, uh, you'll be in increasing positions of authority, of influence, and of ability to uh, affect those changes as need be. And uh, the reason why I'm hopeful for this generation showing a lot of that is because I do look at them as a bit different from prior generations in terms of their, uh, the value of that, the importance that they have uh, around uh, a purpose in life, whether it be sustainability, whether it be human connection, uh, whether it be, uh, uh, you know, sort of caring for those that are disadvantaged. Um, there's just, there's a, there's a, a more caring aspect uh, to this future generation. And I really uh, can't wait to see what they're going to do with the world. Wonderful words. Beautiful advice, full of hope, very enriching. I'm incredibly grateful. I speak for everyone in empathy and the people who will listen to this. Thank you, Michael. This has been incredibly wonderful and I truly, truly enjoy this conversation. Thank you for your precious time. I hope the day unfolds beautifully in your part of the world. And thank you so much. Oh, I enjoyed it. I love having conversations with you and I love the company that you're building. Uh, keep going, everyone. And thanks for the opportunity. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. Thank you.